This is one of those passages of Scripture that draws me in no matter the translation. We're used to hearing it like this. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it here in his paraphrase, The Message, because I think he just nails it in a way that invites us into a consideration and a conversation that hits so many of us where we are right now. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out from religion or any number of other things? Is your soul crying out because something in it just doesn't seem quite right? I added that last part because it seems to pick up on the essence of it all. Are we tired? Are we worn out? Are we burned out? Many of us would answer yes, yes, and yes. What I hope you'll begin to do today, if you're not already doing it, is pay attention to that. I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to pay attention to that now and in the days ahead because I want you to pay attention to your soul. I want you to listen to your life, listen to your soul, and listen for what it is saying to you. Is there a weariness there right now? Is there an unmet set of needs there right now? Is there a holy longing within you for something better, for something more? Is there a holy ache within you? Pay attention to it. Learn to name it. Learn to discern it. To analyze it and to assess it because it represents something in you that we all really need to pay attention to. Something in you that could just be pointing beyond you towards something that Jesus wants for you because that that holy ache in spite of the fact that we so often seek to satisfy it in unhelpful and and unholy and unhealthy ways represents something a, a kind of lack a holy longing that is humming for something in your soul and beyond it that you were created for the great church father augustine captured the root of this ache so perfectly when he said, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you, O God. And if the promise of Matthew 11 is to be believed, then the invitation and opportunity for us is to access this life and this renewal in God through Jesus, and that invitation is one of the primary purposes of His coming and of His crucifixion. Get away with me, Jesus said, and you'll recover your life. How many of you have a longing to recover your life right now? Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced 
rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you, but keep company with me, he says, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Or in John's Gospel, he said it like this, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full or more abundantly. The early church believed that one of the reasons we didn't have this is because there are powers and principalities in this world, invisible ones, that are actually working against us, entangling us and enslaving us, keeping us from keeping company with God. But they believed that on the cross... Jesus did battle with these powers, not just with our little s sins, our little mistakes that might separate us from God, but with the capital S power of sin, with the capital D power of death, with the capital E power of evil, the unseen personification of evil that keeps us enslaved and entangled. And and the early church believed, and Scripture tells us, that Jesus did battle with these powers on the cross, achieving and declaring victory over them so that we might fully and finally be free from the evil and entangling influence that they have over us. We We don't talk about that a lot. But what this means is that Jesus has cleared the way for your freedom. That Jesus has cleared the way in in so many ways for your freedom and for our freedom. And this is good news. It represents the reality and the promise of a victory that has already been achieved for us in Christ over many things that still entangle many of us, but that might not if we would only choose to receive it. And even more, to receive it by pursuing it. So why don't we? Well, there are a variety of reasons, and sometimes they are painful and tragic and complex. Because each and every single one of us and the people in our lives, we all have our own complex and unique set of challenges. And some of those challenges include things that, in addition to prayer and a community of faith and the things that we've been talking about for renewal and the things that we will talk about in the weeks ahead, sometimes we also need to add into the rhythm of our lives a counselor, a Stephen minister. Sometimes medication is helpful. There are a number of things that we can do sometimes to navigate these complex challenges because because many of us are struggling with anxiety. Some people are struggling with abuse that has been thrust upon them, with violence and victimization, with disabilities that we are wrestling through, with with the dark shadow of depression. And these are all real things that play a role in many of our lives, and we have to acknowledge them. You have to acknowledge this too, because the path forward from these things, beyond these things, or even sometimes with these things, requires it. Your path forward from this moment into the life that you are longing for 
will be similar in some ways to the paths of people around you, but will also be unique because of who you are. What you've gone through, what you're going through right now. That's true. But what's also true is that one of the primary things that we know we can do to move forward, to recover our lives, to meet and satisfy that longing, is to move forward with Jesus. The One who has made a way for and wants to help us learn to live freely and lightly. But if we want this to happen in our lives, we have to learn to pursue that purposefully. Because it's not just going to happen. And this is a paradox that is ever present in Scripture and in most of our lives. There are gifts, there are gifts of God in life and of life that are only available to us by God's grace. And we must also pursue and participate with them purposefully. Sometimes we've got to make a plan. You may remember that moment in the story Alice in Wonderland when Alice comes to a fork in the road and meets the Cheshire Cat. And, and, and when she meets the Cheshire Cat, she says, Excuse me, sir, but which way do I go from here? To which the Cheshire Cat responds, Well, it depends on where you want to get to. To which Alice responds, Well, I don't much care where I get to, just as long as I get somewhere. And you know, sometimes this is our approach to life with God as well. We have this holy ache this longing, and we know it's there, and we know we'd like to live our lives with God in a way that might somehow satisfy it. And we know that God wants this for us too. But, but if someone were to press us on this, we'd have to admit that we really hadn't thought much about what that might look like. We really hadn't thought much about what it might take to get there or how we might get there in the first place. We really don't have a plan. Or at least not an especially proactive one. Which is really strange when you think about it. Because not all of us, but many of us, tend to make plans and have plans for many other really important things that we want to accomplish in life. For instance... How many of you have some kind of financial plan? How many of you have some sort of budget, some sort of plan for how you, you know you have these goals and, and you want to accumulate a retirement or you want to, to pay off some debt and, you, and you, you have some plans, you want to, to do some fun things or buy some fun things and you have a plan for how you're going to accumulate this, you have a plan for how this is supposed to happen. Now, I'm not saying you follow it, Right? But I'm saying somewhere on paper or in a computer, or at least in your mind, you have one. Or how many of you have had a plan or, or you might have a plan for your education? Or for how you're going to get the credentials and the experience that you need for the career that you feel called to do in your life? Or how many of you have had a plan or have a plan at some point for your own fitness? For your health. 
Someone has helped you uh, create some goals that you need to achieve with your health and you want to accumulate good health and, and you've, you've attempted to make a plan to reach that goal. How many of you have some plans? Intentionality, you know, is so often essential to get to the places we most want to go. Sometimes we luck into things, right? Sometimes we just fall into things. But, but most of the time, we won't achieve what we want to accomplish without intentionality. And this is true with our character as well. And the character of our lives. And what the Gospel tells us is that Jesus has made a way for you to receive the promise of abundant life in your life. And if you want it, you also have to cultivate it intentionally over time. It won't happen in a day. You can't pick up abundant life at the drive-thru. No. Instead, like so many of the best and worst things in our lives, it has to be accumulated. I know someone who has a loved one who was a hoarder. And when I say that they're a hoarder, I mean that in the clinical sense. I don't mean like many of us that they have a hard time, you know, they're a pack rat, they have a hard time letting go of some things and maybe a difficult time with, with organization. But, but this is someone who clinically has struggled with a hoarding disorder. And you know, if you know anyone like this or if you watch some of the shows about things like this, sometimes this can come on slowly and unexpectedly. It just, things begin to accumulate over time to a point where you, you don't really even know what to do with it. And this is what's happened with this, this person's loved ones since they passed away. It's just, what are you going to do? What, how, how are you going to work through all this stuff to determine what the special things are and the, the not special things are and sifting through all that's been accumulated to decide what needs to be kept and, and, and let go of? And by the way, there are many areas in life where we need to do this as well. Most of us are hoarding things more than we may even be aware Things that have been accumulating for so long and we know we need to do something about it, but we're not quite sure where to begin and we may not even be quite sure where this all began. And that was the case for this loved one too. The practice of, of hoarding just kind of creeped in. It started with piles of paper being lined up against the side of the wall in one room and then they began to fill up the room and fill up the house and fill up the garage until eventually, ultimately, there needed to be a tarp in the backyard to cover all of the things that had accumulated over time. It didn't happen all at once. It accumulated. And in some ways, we're like this too. We all accumulate things in our lives. We accumulate worry and stress and even trauma over time. The body keeps the score. We accumulate retirement portfolios slowly over time. Most people don't win the lottery or inherit all they need all at once, but slowly and intentionally, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, through a long, slow, intentional process of accumulation, 
They build what they need. We accumulate our health or lack thereof over time. We accumulate our sleep bank or lack thereof over time. We accumulate our skills and abilities or lack thereof over time. We accumulate our fitness or lack thereof over time. It doesn't happen all at once. It accumulates. Many of these things have especially accumulated during this pandemic. My doctor once advised me that I should probably stop eating two bowls of chocolate granola cereal with almond milk before bed every night, for starters, because things were starting to accumulate. I took note, made some changes, and now I use almond milk. Things are still accumulating. You may find this too. We're all accumulating things. Some things intentionally and other things haphazardly. And what I'm hoping that you'll see, okay, in all of this right now, is that either way, who we are and how we live, who we become, happens through a long, slow process of accumulation. Who you are and what you are accumulates and has accumulated. Stress and rest accumulate. Joy and gratitude accumulate. The size of that holy ache, whether it is large or small within you, accumulates. And friends, Jesus sees it. Jesus sees you and sees it. And just as badly as you want to do something about it, He wants to do something about it. How badly do you want that ache met? Can you feel it? And if you can, how intentionally are you willing to work with Him so that He can meet it? How willing are you over time to do what needs to be done so that over time you can begin to accumulate the kind of life that you want to live and become the kind of person that you want to be? If you're willing and you want it, it's going to require an intentional plan. Not one that just exists on paper or on a computer somewhere but one that you intentionally implement on a daily, monthly, and annual basis in your life. For centuries, spiritual leaders, both in um, Christianity and in other religions, have referred to this kind of thing as a rule. Not as rules, but as a, a rule of life. You read about this a little bit if you read the meditation in our worship guide when Ruth Haley Barton has said, a rule of life is a way of ordering our lives intentionally around values, practices, and relationships that keep us open and available to God for the work of spiritual transformation that only God can bring about. Simply put, a rule of life provides structure and space for our growing. Or Annie Dillard has said it like this. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. 
When we establish an intentional rule of life, we are deciding how we need to spend our days because we've decided we want to be intentional about how we spend our lives. We can do this through a rule. The word rule, when we're talking about a rule of life, comes from the Latin word regula, which can mean rhythm, which I love because the ultimate goal of establishing a rule of life is to begin allowing your life to beat in rhythm with the heartbeat of God so that we can become the healthiest and holiest versions of ourselves. Walk with me, Jesus says. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Let me teach you how to live within the unforced but not unintentional rhythms of grace. The word regula can mean rhythm. The Latin word regula can also mean trellis. Like a garden trellis, you know. A garden trellis, and some of you may have these at your home, can provide the scaffolding for foliage to grow in a certain direction. Or a vineyard trellis, you may know, can provide the framework needed for a grapevine to grow and to be supportive and to live in the healthiest way. An intentional regula of life does this too. It invites us to create a, a trellis. A scaffolding for our days, weeks, months, and years that will support and sustain us as we grow intentionally in a certain direction so that the way we're spending our days will intentionally accumulate into the way we spend our lives. How do you want to spend your life? Who do you want to be and become? In this life, what kind of scaffolding could you put in place right now that might help you become the partner or the, the parent or the, the co worker or, or the colleague or the servant leader or friend that you most want to be? What are the practices and patterns you might put in place that could help you uniquely accumulate into that over time? This is what I'd like for all of us to be considering now and in the weeks ahead. The answers for all of us may have some similarities, but they will also be unique to each and every one of you. I can't give you a prescription for that. But if you're willing to try it, the starting place exists in the invitation of Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus says, watch how I do it, that's where you begin. The practices and the purposes, they won't look exactly the same for each one of us, and your practices and purposes each day and patterns won't look exactly like Jesus either, but we might want to start with a pattern that reflects His. And as Angie mentioned earlier, you'll find the framework for that pattern in the insert that's in your worship guide. Henry Nouwen, the great spiritual teacher, has said that the basic rhythm of Jesus' life went something like this. He moved daily from solitude to community to ministry. 
We can see this in many places. Luke 6 is a good place to observe this. From solitude to community to ministry. And this is a pattern we've talked about before and we've seen before. It's very similar to the one we've seen in the life of God in Scripture from the very beginning. In fact, if we look at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, what we'll see in that first week of creation, in the the liturgy and the litany of creation is that there is a pattern that God holds in common with the human beings in whose image or or who were created in God's image. And they are this, very similar. Sabbath, or holy rest and renewal, which must be the cornerstone of any healthy and renewing rhythm of life. Community, which we've talked about in recent weeks, the power of connection, life-giving relationships and all that goes into that, and work. The opportunity to have a meaningful, impactful, contributing purpose in the world and all that goes into that. This is what I want you to start thinking about. So if you're tired, if you're worn out, If you're burned out, if you're ready to recover your life, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to look at these three broad areas in the categories of daily, weekly, monthly, two times a year, four times a year, annually. And I'd like you to begin thinking about patterns and practices that are both sustainable and sustaining that could help you accumulate a renewed and vibrant and abundant life. We'll look more of that together in the week ahead, but I'd like for you to start praying and thinking about that specifically right now. With with a view for who you want to be and who you want to become. And imagining in that context what kinds of commitments might accumulate into that. After all, how you're spending your days will eventually accumulate into how you've spent your life. Chip's going to come and play a response song and he's going to begin by playing instrumentally just to give you the headspace to begin thinking about this thing that we're going to think more about in the next couple of weeks to begin brainstorming what it would look like for you to create at this time when so many of us have been thrown off our rhythm a more intentional and renewing rhythm of life.